0: Own Your Creativity Episode 26
1: For me creativity is, has always been a way for me to kind of calm down, you know, take a minute for myself. It's it's like my yoga. So.
0: You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. And today I'm really excited to be talking to Amanda Bernardo. She is a children's author and a philanthropist on a mission to help young and old to listen to their little voice. So, welcome to the show, Amanda. It's lovely to have you on the show to talk about Little Voice, but also about your own little voice and, and how you came to embrace it. So, I know that you're a policy analyst um, at um, the Government of Canada. So, what is that job about and how did you segue from that into into writing?
1: Um, I would actually have to say was the other way around. So I uh, started first as a writer. I've always loved to write. Um, And when you were younger, I guess you don't really realize that your passion for writing or whatever passion you may have can fit into other areas um, as well. So for me, Um, My love for writing and research eventually brought me to the government of Canada, where I do a lot of policy writing right now, uh, working on legislation, um, cabinet documents. So I still get to use my uh, love for writing every day, uh, just in a different format.
0: And how do you find that creativity comes into that policy work that you do?
1: Um, So it's a little less creative when you uh, work for the government, especially when you're working under direction from, you know, a minister, from your deputy minister. So you're kind of uh, basing a lot of your writing on direction from up top. So I guess that's where my creative passion and the projects I do on the side mean so much to me because I don't really get to explore that creative side as much at work. Um, Whereas in my projects, I do have a little bit more of uh, creative freedom. So, your degree is in what? So, I went to university um, in uh, English literature and history. So, I did a Bachelor of Arts uh, with honors. Um, And then I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And that sort of went downhill. I volunteered, and I, and I love kids, but I just realized that teaching wasn't for me. Um, we all have our callings, and, and I didn't get the call on that one. Um, but then I was kind of confused, and I said, well, what do I do? I have this Bachelor of Arts degree. Can I apply it somewhere else? And I started looking for work, and that's when I kind of found myself in jobs that I was a little bit miserable in. Not because of the place per se, but because it wasn't really feeding that creative appetite or my passion whatsoever. I wasn't getting to use my, um, my love for writing as much as I wanted to. Um, so then I went back to school again and I did um, a paralegal diploma, which opened the doors to more of a law um, environment. And I worked at a law firm for a bit thinking I wanted to be a lawyer, and then um, didn't get the call there either. It just wasn't for me. Um, And that's when someone said, you know, you'd be really great in a policy field. Like, you'd be able to write, you'd be able to um, see the impact of your writing a lot more clearer, as opposed to, you know, being a teacher or being um, a lawyer. And that's the path I ended up following, and that's where I am today, and it's definitely paid off.
0: And was there a time when you were working there that you felt like, I have to augment my my day job with creative pursuits or did you always um write creatively on the side?
1: I definitely always have written creatively on the side, whether it be, you know, my journal or a short story. Um that's always been an outlet for me. So if I've been going through something in my life or, you know, I needed some time to de-stress, writing has always been um a great outlet. Um so when I was working um I wouldn't say that it would impact my work and that I was constantly striving to find this creative um, pursuit that would make me happy, but it was something that made me feel more balanced when I had both in my life, Um, and eventually when I started pursuing Little Voice, I, I already found the career path that I wanted to follow, but there was something missing inside me, a way that I could give back a way that I could use my words to inspire um, other people. And so I get a lot of my creative um, fulfillment now through the Little Voice Project.
0: And did you ever have a moment in your life where you felt really disconnected from your creativity? And did that have some negative impact on you? Yeah.
1: So as I mentioned, um, when I kind of got out of university, I was going through a really hard time. I was feeling um, not confident in myself. I was struggling to figure out what career I wanted to pursue in life. Um, and after that, I kind of just lost myself a little bit. I lost what I um, Am- who Amanda was. I didn't know how to define myself anymore. I defined myself so much in my writing, and then I couldn't find work in that field, and then. I was trying to find a job that would make me happy, and that didn't work out necessarily. Um, so I was very, very lost. And even though I was trying to pursue a job um, because I had a lot of student debt uh, to pay off, um, I could feel those effects very, very uh, clearly. So I started to feel miserable, and then I would change jobs, and I went back to school, and I thought, okay, this is it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be happy now, and. And then I, I loved where I worked. I loved the law firm and I, I loved the work that I did. But again, I just something was missing. And that disconnect is what kept bringing me back to, OK, I've always had this dream to write a children's book. How do I make it happen? And how do I finally find something that will fulfill me outside of this nine to five uh, routine that I found myself in?
0: And so you listen to that little voice inside of you?
1: <laughs> I started to listen to that little voice. And, you know, when we go through a time where we're struggling or we're doubting ourselves, that little voice is very, very quiet. There are so many other things around you, so many outside voices that start to um, silence your little voice. Um, and it was when I started to volunteer with kids and I saw that they were struggling as well that I said, OK, Amanda, it's time to grow up. Like, It's time to start sharing your writing and, and listen to your own voice and make a difference. And if you can't do it, like, how will you ever be an author if you can't share your work? So um, it definitely took a leap of faith for me to listen to my little voice. Um, and still to this day, there are moments where I struggle to kind of feel confident or kind of remind myself of what my goals are, or what my little voice is trying to encourage me to do. But um, if I can constantly remind others to listen, then I'm also reminding myself to do the same.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you, were you mentioned that the children that you um uh, encountered you, you realized that they weren't listening to a little voice or they were disconnected and uh, how did that come about how did you realize that about about these kids
1: yeah so when I worked for my law firm we had a great program uh, with the Ottawa Network for Education and it basically sent employees from our law firm to uh, schools throughout Ottawa uh, to read to them so we would go for one hour um, every week it was kind of on rotation and we would sit down and read to children and It was interesting because although I've always loved writing, I never thought I was going to be a children's author. I loved writing poetry. I loved writing in my journal. I loved writing um, more fiction, more for an older crowd. I never took children literature um, throughout my undergrad. So um, it was kind of an awakening when I started reading to kids and seeing what they were reading. And I was like, oh my God, this is what we're reading to our kids. And not to say any book in particular, but everyone that knows me, there's this one book that was in the library that I just... It had no morale. There was no lesson learned at the end. And, you know, we would just read these books and the, the kids just didn't seem to connect. There was no lesson that they could walk away from. It didn't spark any discussion. It didn't, it didn't do anything. So we would often read these books And then suddenly the kids would just use the hour session as kind of like a therapy session. They'd want to talk and say, you know, this is what I'm going through or I'm being bullied at school or I'm struggling with this. And after a few times of that happening, I kind of went home and was like, I remember a poem that I wrote when I graduated from university. So this now is about a year and a half later. And it was just on a scrap piece of paper at the time. I had just shoved it in one of my notebooks. And I said, this would be such a great message to transform and put it in a children's book. So I remember going back to that poem and reading it. And it was funny because even though it was a year and a half later... I could remember who I was at that moment, and I saw that I hadn't really changed. I was still kind of unhappy, still kind of struggling. Yeah. And I said, "Why didn't I frame this sooner and like put it on my wall to remind myself? You know, to listen to my little voice." And and that's when I said, "You know, if a child at six year o- six years old is going through something difficult, um, and someone at twenty four is going through something difficult, if I could put out a book that." Could inspire the six-year-old, and then they could continuously read this as they get older, or even you know encourage adults to give it to a twenty-four-year-old. Then maybe we wouldn't have so many people that felt a little bit lost or a little bit disconnected in the world, and maybe more people would feel inspired to chase their dreams and make a difference. So um, it was definitely uh, one of those moments where I I never imagined where it would lead me. I thought I was just volunteering. I was I loved volunteering. I thought it was another one of those um activities I'd be part of but those kids actually taught me a lot about myself and for them um to remind me of my little voice I'm forever grateful for that
0: so it seems like writing this book for you was tied to giving back and it, and for you is creativity always connected to giving back or
1: um, no, it's not always connected to giving back. For me, um, I'm a huge philanthropist. I volunteered ever since I was a little kid. Like I took part in chocolate drives ever since I was six years old. Um, I always volunteered with, you know, Cheeto or Heart and Stroke or uh, the Children's Wish Foundation. I was just, volunteering is a really, really big part of me. It's a way for me to give back and meet other people. And I think a part of that is because I grew up... Um, my family had immigrated to Canada, so I, all my cousins and extended family is still in Italy, and volunteering was a way for me to kind of meet new people and, and you know, interact with kids because I didn't have any cousins. So it was really nice to um, to pursue that, but the creativity and the volunteering kind of connected because when i started to create little boys i realized that i was starting to have a platform where my voice could be heard i was suddenly able to you know have an interview and talk about some of the fundraising things that i do or i suddenly was able to sell something and give back a portion of it to support one of my causes so they connected because i just was mindful that i i now created this platform that was being heard but I wouldn't say it's always connected. Um, for me, creativity is, has always been a way for me to kind of calm down, you know, take a minute for myself. It's it's like my yoga. So for me to write or for me to paint or for me to um, sculpt like my dad likes to do, my dad is a very creative person, um, it's just something that is a part of me. And no matter how we try to sometimes, you know, separate the different parts of ourselves. They all are interrelated. And and that's probably why volunteering and my creativity go hand in hand sometimes.
0: So when you dug up this poem that you had shoved in a journal somewhere, and decided to do something with it, was the next step to get an illustrator for it? Or how did that come about?
1: So I'll, I'll never forget the night that I I got home, I pulled out the scrap piece of paper, and I, I started typing it on my laptop. And the words at the time I had used were more for kind of someone who graduated from university. So I said, okay, let's let's simplify this a little bit so that it could relate to a child or, or anyone for that matter. So I started playing with the words. And I remember my parents were in the room next to me. And at this point, it was maybe like nine o'clock at night. And I remember going over and saying, I have a poem that I want to read you. Like, tell me if you like it. And I read it. And they were like, yeah, it's really great. Like, okay, what, like, why are you reading this to us? I, I don't think at the time they ever thought, hey, I'm going to go and publish a book now with it. Um, so what I did next was I tried to learn about the publishing process. How does someone publish a book? And if you actually Google it, we live in a day and age now where there's a lot of self-publishing companies that will take your product um, and you pay them and they develop your book. And so I originally applied to one of those companies to see if my book could be considered. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's great. Like, here you go. Sign the contract. We'll work together and make it happen. And I quickly realized that route was not for me. It seemed, um, in my experience, like a very heavy money grab um, that, you know, you were just basically part of this production line where they accept everyone and they just produce your book and They don't support you, they don't provide you with the resources to then make it uh, take off. They just mass production, here's your book, there you go. And I thought, you know, if I'm just going to go through a company that's just going to mass produce my product and I'm just going to have to pay for it and, and that's that, why not do it by myself? Why do I need someone else to produce the book for me? And so I started looking at other ways to produce the book, and I I actually sent a few letters out to a few publishing houses um, that were not the self-published route. They were, you know, professional publishing houses like Simon & Schuster or HarperCollins. Um, And someone at Simon & Schuster kind of said to me, you know, why do you want a publishing company? Like, what is it that you need from a publishing company that you couldn't do this on your own? which kind of seemed odd that they were kind of saying that to me. Like it was a very honest person um, that I had spoken with. Um, And I said, I just need it to help me grow. Like I don't know what I'm doing here. I, I need support. And he said, the first thing you need to do is illustrate your book. If your goal is to have a picture book, like with your poem, you need to find an illustrator. So why don't you go find, you know, a young graduate and partner with them and then develop your book and then bring your book to some publishing houses and see if they can help you take off from there. So I think it was maybe a day or two later that I was on LinkedIn. Huge LinkedIn person, I might add. Not, not paid to say that, but it's <laughs> such a great way to connect with people. And uh, someone on my network liked a profile of a young girl named Samantha Clusio Lawler. And it was some Disney illustrations that she had done. And I said, wow, like this girl has the talent. She has the style that I'm looking for. I need to, I need to meet her. So she happened to live in Orleans, and I remember sending her a message saying, like, hey, my name's Amanda. I'm working on a project. Like, would you be interested in meeting me for coffee? And to my surprise, she said yes. So we actually met up for coffee, and I had these uh, two sketches that I had drew. drew. Um, they were so horrible. And I said, this is my idea. Here's my poem. Um, this is I want to create a children's book. Do you want to work with me? And I gave her the option, you know, I can pay you to illustrate all the illustrations I need, or if you want, we can become partners and we can go on this journey together. And she was telling me at the time, like, she wanted to do something like that. She was dreaming of, you know, putting her art into a book. So it, it kind of was fate in a very odd way. Um, and then from there, we went about illustrating the book. It took about a year. Um, and then I just started researching, you know, okay, what, what do books have that I need Um, So I started going to chapters, reading some children's books, and like, okay, there's this legal blurb at the end. Got to get one of those. Um, (laughs) So I looked into how I could do that. And and then in Canada, you know, registering it with the Library and Archives Canada. So um, at first it was a very hit or miss project. I had no idea what I was doing. I was literally using Google to help me publish a book. Um, And then when I eventually found a printing company, I wanted to keep everything Canadian and local, and I found a printing company just right next to my work, actually. Um, they had a lot of experience publishing books and, and preparing books. So then they started giving me some advice. Okay, here's how you're going to have to set it up for our printers. Here's some things that you're missing that you're going to need to include. Um, and they were great. And from there, about a year and a half later, we ended up publishing Little Voice on December uh, 2nd, 2014. And uh, since then, it's it's been a great journey.
0: And you have the Little Voice Movement now. What's that all about? Yes.
1: So we just launched our Little Voice Movement um, yesterday, so on Friday, July 15th. Um, And basically, it's another way my creativity and my love for volunteering go hand in hand. So when we first set out to create Little Voice, I knew I wanted to do something more than just the book. I wanted to create that platform. I wanted to give back. And so we created the Little Voice Forget Me Not project And basically, what that project is, is we donate a portion of every book sale to the Alzheimer's Society of Canada, which is my fundraiser um, of choice because my grandmother suffers from Alzheimer's. Um, And so throughout the year, we, you know, through our book sales, we ended up giving a portion. And then we started doing a lot of volunteer activities, taking part in the Walk for Alzheimer's and just different ways to get involved. And almost two years later, we raised close to $7,000. Wow. So I thought, yay, like this is awesome. This is this is such a good thing. Um, but how do we do more? It was all, I'm, my little voice always says, do more, Amanda, do more, um, which keeps me really busy. But basically after that, it was, how do we do more? And so we then started working with other charities, other not-for-profits and saying, you know, how can we get involved? How can our movement support you? And we would, you know, give inspirational talks um, at schools, Um, we would donate books to entire classrooms, Um, but still my little voice was saying, hey Amanda, you can do more, like what are you gonna do next? So I had this idea going back from my childhood that, about those chocolate drives. So I did that when I was a little kid religiously, I loved selling those chocolates um, because you won a prize at the end, so it was really um, self-absorbed that I loved doing those chocolate but. It was an opportunity to kind of support something. And I don't actually remember where the money goes to those chocolate drives, But I had that idea in my head thinking, you know, if those chocolate jibes um, are so successful, how can we transform it to this day and age? So instead of selling chocolate, why don't we sell inspiration? And that was the premise for the Little Voice Movement. Let's start selling inspiration. And so how the movement works is that children and parents and teachers and adults and entire communities can sign up to become a little voice ambassador. And once you become an ambassador, you get a coupon code. So let's just say, Elizabeth, you started a movement called the Elizabeth Movement. You would get a coupon that would basically just be Elizabeth. And you would then be responsible for promoting your movement. So you can choose three movements. You can either create a movement for a school, so we have one already signed up with us for the Half Moon Bay Public School um, that's opening up in Barhaven. They're looking to um, get books for their new library, so that's one tier that you could sign up for. The other is for community cause, so that's something like supporting the Alzheimer's Society, um, supporting uh, another charity or a not-for-profit. We have Proud to be Nisori be- on board and Chio. Um, And a local young girl named Rosalina who's actually going through chemotherapy, she's been working with us as well. And every time that they sell a book, we give $5 back into their cause, into their movement, whether they're donating for CHEO or Proud to Me Me or whatever cause it may be. And then the last year I thought, okay, it's great to help other people. Don't get me wrong. It's so great to volunteer. But sometimes um, people we know close to us, maybe they're not going through something difficult, but maybe they just need help for their future. And so the third tier is we would donate $5 from every book sale uh, to their RS, RESP. And for me, having paid for my university, I know how important that support can be. It's the difference, you know, from uh, chasing a, a dream to actually seeing that dream come true. So I wanted to be able to help kids um, also pursue their, their post secondary education. Um, so yeah, the Coupon code basically lets you promote your movement and then we track all the sales through our website and then periodically we would pay out the $5 from every book sale into however uh, you chose, so whether it was for your school or community cause or for your future. So I'm super excited about it because I know it's a great way that we can inspire our communities and uh, the response so far has been so great that I, that I think we did something right. I think my little voice was onto something this time.
0: Yeah, I think that your little voice is going to be in charge of an empire soon. (laughs) Hopefully, we'll see, we'll see. And and I love uh, selling, um, instead of selling chocolate, sell inspiration.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: We, uh, we actually pitched the idea a year ago. So a lot of people sometimes say, like, you know, how long did it take you to come up with this idea? And like I said, my little voice is always kind of shooting ideas at me. Um, but this idea started a year ago, and we actually pushed it to the Ottawa Catholic School Board, um, the heads um, of their trustee board, and, and they approved it. They were like, this is a great idea, but then you'll have to work on a principal by principle basis for each school. And then we kind of wanted to test the waters out a bit so it it took us about a year to figure out how are we going to do this because even for us we needed to have the capital to produce these books. What a lot of people don't realize is when you're self-published you don't have um, a massive publishing house paying for you to put out all these books. That's coming out of pocket. Um, so that was something that we had to figure out. How are we going to get all these books delivered and how are we going to afford it? Um, cause I'm only, I'll be 27 in a week and Samantha's younger than I am. So we're not rich or anything. We're kind of doing this and getting by and all of our money so far in the business has kind of just turned over into buying more books. We don't really take a profit and we donate so much. Um, but we really had to think about it and, uh, I'm really happy that we waited the year because now that it's launched, I think it's a very well-laid-out program that will help a lot of people.
0: Cool. So what's the best advice you've ever received regarding your creativity?
1: So I always um, share this piece of advice with people because it came to me during that struggle period. So the struggle, I think, was there because in my mind I I always dreamed of being extraordinary. That was just something I always wanted to be. You know, like if someone said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would just say extraordinary. I just, I just knew I, I had the potential and, and the drive to do something amazing with my life. And when I graduated, I didn't see that um, light at the end of the tunnel. I was kind of like, I'm just another student with a bunch of student debt. I don't know what career path to take. I want to write and, you know, be this great author like J.K. Rowling one day and have my words inspire a country or the entire world. Um, And that vision was so far off when I graduated that I became very, very unhappy. And that struggle was, was there because it always seemed like I had to choose. Am I choosing to pursue a day job to help pay off my debts? Or am I going to pursue that creative path that maybe would bring me more fulfillment? And I think that that choice was there because at the same time, I didn't realize that I could apply um, my love for writing in a different field. I, I was still new to that idea as well. And so when I just started looking into creating little boys, I actually had spoken to one of my old profs at Carleton University. And I was telling her, you know, really want to write and I I have this dream of being an author and like I'm struggling to share my work with other people and I'm struggling with you know finding a career path that will let me use my degree to the fullest potential that I hope it would Um, and she gave me the best advice and this is the advice she gave me she said every writer has a day job so you don't have to necessarily give up on your creative passion simply because you have a day job. You know, JK Rowling didn't start off as JK Rowling. She started off in a very different path. And eventually, you know, when you gain more success and you gain um, more momentum, sure, maybe that can be your full-time job. And so that piece of advice is what led me to pursue my creative passion on the side. It was no longer a choice between a day job and then being a writer. It was actually this is me and during the day I'm going to go to work and then at night I'm going to pursue my passion. It, it didn't have to be one or the other. And and thankfully, eventually, as I pursued my career, I found a a position that lets me use that creative side um, in a different way. I still get to write. Um, But because of that piece of advice, it enabled me to not give up on my dreams simply because I wasn't pursuing it full time. And that's advice I would then share with other people. And and I, I really stress that a lot is you don't have to do something full time to make it happen and you, you can break down your goal and you can turn it into smaller little goals and do that part time and still see, see it succeed. Um, so a lot of times when I tell people, you know, Little Voice is actually a part time project, they'll say, what, like, where do you <laughs> find the time to do that part time and I am very busy and I am very tired 99% of the time but for something that you believe in and something that you love, you always find the time. So don't let it uh, slip just because you're doing it part time.
0: That's so inspiring. I love the way that you basically have the best of both worlds. You know, you you have a job that supports your habit of writing yeah. and and you know, you can pursue it with uh full force, you know, because I think a lot of times when people have uh you know, a job that sometimes it just takes up all of their time and they have no energy afterwards, but it seems like you're able to like have this cycle or you know, this circle of of inspiration and um, and funding, you know, because you need. Yes. I think both. I,
1: I need the day job to fund yeah. my project. That's that's for sure. But also, I I would stress that there's a lot of determination that goes into whatever you're trying to pursue. If if you want to be a writer and then you just stay home every night and you know you play Pokemon Go, which is like the new fad or whatever, you know, you're not going to see your dream come true. And I remember when I when I actually first published Little Voice, and I've had a lot of different projects I, I've pursued um, since I was a kid. But when I published Little Voice, I started getting a lot of comments that were like, "You're so lucky. You're so lucky that you published a book. Like, way to go. Luck was on your side." And that just made me so angry when I would hear comments like that because luck doesn't um, make you a writer and luck doesn't keep you up uh, at night to, you know, go through your accounting and and luck doesn't contact bookstores and try to get your book um, held in their store and and luck doesn't, you know, create all these opportunities. Like you as a person create those opportunities. So I always stress whatever passion you may have, uh, creative or not, there's a level of determination that you really have to bring forward. Otherwise, it, it won't move forward. And and luck will not be there to, to kind of push you along. It'll be you and your little voice that are kind of pushing yourself forward. So don't be misguided. That luck will take you places. It's definitely on you.
0: Can you share one of your personal habits that contributes to your creative success?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Personal habits. I'm... Uh... I always tell people that busy makes me feel alive. So, if I'm busy, that makes me um, more creative. And I'll explain how that works. So, if I'm volunteering, if I'm putting myself out there, if I'm meeting new people, that to me impacts my creativity. I'm not one of those uh, writers who can travel around the world and be you know, inspired by sunsets and, and whatever else that they get to see. I, I'm inspired by the things that I see around me and volunteering and keeping busy and putting myself out there is one way that influences my creative process. Another one would probably be just silence. Um, because I'm so busy, it's often rare that I'm just kind of sitting down quietly by myself. So I really appreciate those moments where it's just me and a laptop. Um, and I, I have a, a very strong habit of uh, going to chapters and then just sitting there with my laptop and writing. And, and I'm a people watcher. So that definitely influences my creative process. But other than that, I don't really have a process set in stone. And As I get busier, I actually find it harder to find the time to write um, because my little voice is uh, keeping me so busy. So just finding those moments where it's just me and my laptop and I can kind of just sit there and be at peace and put some words on paper, even if the paper um, or even, sorry, if the words don't make sense at first, it's just sitting there and writing is kind of the most valuable thing because to find the time as I've gotten older has been harder and harder. Um, but if I can just sit and write and then edit like crazy afterwards, um, at least I'm putting words down on paper. So I know some other people have like rituals and stuff like that, but I'm not creative in my creative process, but it works for me and we all find uh, a way to make things happen.
0: And do you have a person that inspires you to be creative? It can be a, a person who's alive or dead.
1: Um, so creative in my projects. My, my parents are both really creative people. Like if I ever needed help growing up on a project, my parents were, I think, more excited than I was. Like they loved um, working uh, with me. And my dad is a very, very creative person. He likes to sculpt. He likes to paint. He likes to work with his hands. In terms of inspiring me, um, I, it, that's really hard. I wouldn't know if there's one specific person. I know in my creative fundraising efforts, my grandmother, um, who lives in Italy, who's suffering from Alzheimer's, has been a really source of inspiration um, because I see what she's going through and I see what other people who are suffering with Alzheimer's are going through. And so it really inspires me to kind of do more and find other creative paths to fundraise um, so that we can find a cure and support the research behind it. But in terms of my own creativity, I'm a big reader, so I get very inspired by other authors um, and seeing how they've written a story or seeing, um, reading about their own own biographies and what they've gone through, um, that certainly has helped me. But one person, I'm not going to be able to answer that one. It's definitely a collective process for me of where my inspiration comes from.
0: And do you have a favorite work of art?
1: Favorite work of art? Um, can it be a book? Yep. Okay. Uh, books, so um, I buy books and I don't even read them. Like, there's, <laughs> I have millions of books because uh, I've always dreamed of being Belle and having a massive library one day. Um, but I'll, my favorite... I'll say it's my favorite because it was the book that I read and then I realized um, I wanted to be a writer. So when I was in university, I read um, The Blue Castle by L.M. Uh, Montgomery. And um, I don't know what it was about that book. I read in a lot of books growing up. Like I remember my first one was Tech Everlasting when I was really little and I was like, I love this book um but something about that book it just really inspired me and I remember reading and just saying I want to create something like this um and that has lasted the test of time and then be able to share it with the world so I'll have to say that's my most favorite just because it ties to a memory um but in terms of art um Samantha's art every day inspires me so she's pretty talented too
0: that's great do you have a favorite quote that inspires you
1: Favorite quote. Hmm. Okay, let's see here. I Do you have a few? Can I pull one up? Sure. Okay. I have a, a quote. Actually, I collect quotes. There's. I find a lot of inspiration in quotes because they're really short. And um, although I don't highlight my books because I'm one of those people that if you fold a page on a book, I'm like, oh, my God, what did you do? <laughs> um, I do tab a lot of my pages because they're such great um words that you can uh, learn from there is one quote and we use it all the time with little voice and ironically it fits so well with our message and you can find it on our website um, you can find it in our talks we we shared a lot because it goes so well with our message so i'll just read it for you i actually don't even know who it's by um, whenever i've searched it it says author unknown um, but it basically says everyone has a voice deep down inside them a voice that says shine Some have loud voices, and some have quiet ones. Some people's voice is so quiet that they never get to hear it. Some of the people that do get to hear it choose not to listen. Unfortunately, only a few decide to act on this voice, the stars who influence others to listen themselves. And I love this quote because that's what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to remind people that they have this little voice inside them. We're trying to influence others to become these stars who then influence other people to listen to their little little voice. And even within our book, we say you know, sometimes as we get older, we forget this little voice. And it's so true. You know, I've gone through it. I'm sure, Elizabeth, you've had a time in your life where you you didn't hear your little voice um, as loud and clear. So if we can encourage everyone to start listening to that voice inside them, who knows what we can we can accomplish as a country and as as citizens of this world. I think there's a lot of untapped potential. And if it can take one little movement like ours to start inspiring people to look into that potential and chase their dreams,
0: then, then I think we have a lot to look forward to I think so too I'm so inspired just talking to you <laughs> Aww, thanks. so uh, how can people um, get in uh, in touch with you or find the book what's your website
1: yeah so people can um, order our book online through www or www.littlevoicethebook.com. Um, we're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That whole social media scene in this day and age has made a huge impact on spreading our message. Um, and if they want to become an ambassador and start their own movement, our pages are now live. It takes less than one minute to register. There's absolutely no cost. You can check out our map to see where some of the movements have already begun. And it's, it's a great project that you can do with your child or another person in your life. They don't have to be a kid. um, But definitely check out our website, learn about our message and feel free to shoot us an email. Um, It's me that always replies. So uh, a lot of people are surprised saying, you know, are you the author? (laughs) Yes, yes, I, I still respond to my own emails. And I think I always will. So definitely don't be shy to reach out to us.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It's been lovely and very inspiring. Thank you
1: so much. This is a great uh, podcast and I look forward to hearing from your other guests and learning about their creativity too.
0: If you'd like to continue the conversation about creativity, then join me in my Facebook group, Own Your Creativity Cafe. An easy way to get there is just to follow the link bit.ly forward slash O-Y-C-F-B, bit.ly forward slash O-Y-C-F-B or just log into your Facebook account and just search for Own Your Creativity Cafe, and I'll see you on the other side.